My adventure today, Nephew Gobo, started with me going into a cave. There, very silly creatures seem to be walking around, taking objects from deeper into the cave and moving them to different places. There were strange crystals all on the walls, and some of the little... Some of the even sillier creatures surrounding them use these materials in order to build structures. Curiously enough, even once they built the structures and moved on, the regular silly creatures would come back and devour their buildings whole. It's a very strange circumstance. Oh, Uncle Traveling Man! It was so strange that I decided to spelunk further, only to discover an odd king and queen sort of royal court in their backyard. The silly creatures didn't pay them any heed except as fearful gods. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe he's doing something. Hey, hey, Uncle Traveling Man. Not satisfied with seeing only this, oh. I continued walking even further where he's I met fast. their deity, a strange pile of refuse with an almost soulful voice. Uncle Matt, what are you, what are you doing here? I'll admit that if my heart wasn't set on adventure, I too could come under her spell. Uh, un- Uncle Matt, you're you're in Fraggle Rock. You live here. Gobo, you won't believe what happened. One of the silly creatures just walked up to me and started trying to speak my language. No, I'm but talking to you right now. But his accent was so strange that I was unable to parse what he meant. I'm talking to you right mm-hmm. now, eh? Uh, just one moment. I'm shaking you right now. <laughs> just, one, just one moment, silly creature. I have to write to my nephew. Ah! <laughs> I don't know how to get out of this. <laughs> this is kind of macabre and like Lynchian. <laughs> well, I've done my job then. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> Maybe I could try. No, that's you. You don't have it. I am traveling, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's, it's, it's something. I. No, don't you recognize your own Uncle Matt? <laughs> Give us a kiss. <laughs> do, you, do you do you want to do an Uncle Traveling Gorg? <laughs> Ooh. Well, nephew. <clears throat> Oh God, no! That, that no, this is not a good idea. <laughs> I take it. I take it back. <laughs> I don't know. Does this just go in the pile of failed introductions that become our introductions? Uh, this one's unsalvageable. <laughs> <laughs> we owe it better than it's getting. Can't, can't be fixed. <laughs> nothing. Nothing can be done. <laughs> Unfixable. Y'all, I don't you, know. you know what we're trying to do. You get it. <laughs> Um, okay. An attempt was made. Do you want to? Do you want to just start the show? Um, I, I God, I want one more try. <laughs> All right. Well, you you gotta direct it. I'm out of steam. Um, 
Oh, can Cousin Skeeter show up? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, I, d- I don't think ideas. so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm officially done. <laughs> All right. Maybe we'll come back to it later. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, excuse me. I'm still a little bit, uh, still a little bit asleep. Hmm. Okay. Welcome everybody to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben, and my name is Zane. And this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults, but only most of the time. Today we are doing our ever popular scrambled segment for you. Uh, Yeah, so our our scrambled segment does non-traditional forms of quote-unquote animation We've done web animation, we've done puppets, and today we're also doing puppets (laughs) Yeah, cast your cares away But like far more confident puppets, so I I feel like like, not quite as much different It's very different Here the plurality of creatures is the puppets Doc is outnumbered like 100 to 1 as opposed to Cousin Skeeter Yeah, Cousin Skeeter who was already up against the world and just you know, and overtook it. Yes, never really took, never really had a chance. No, no, he he took over the world, as I understand it. <laughs> if I recall correctly, he was He's already a too powerful. Changing tornado. Nerf, please. <laughs> Nerf, please. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but Fraggle Rock. This is a this is a huge touchstone in my childhood, and as can attest to that. Um, hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure she's gonna listen. So, yo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Zane, uh, why don't you give us the production history of The Fraggles? Yeah, Fraggle Rock, or fully titled Fraggle Rock with Jim Henson's Muppets, in case you thought anybody else was doing Muppets at the time. Well, who else could do Muppets like these? No one. Uh, it ran from 1983 to 1987 on, got to HBO. It's their, it was their first, uh, it was their first series or something, right? Take take a second thinking about that (laughs) (laughs) and the progression over time. I would love to see a Game of Thrones-esque political intrigue in Fraggledom. Oh, Ben, that's the intro. That, oh, we should have done that. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, it also, what, what, would Boober be like a court vizier? (laughs) I don't serve you, I serve the realm. I I don't serve you, I serve the all-knowing radish. (laughs) And laundry. (laughs) The boobers, fun. (laughs) Boobers, just fun. Uh, It also came out on CBC in Canada and ITV in the UK, uh, and it was produced by Henson Associates. Jim Henson, of course, is best known for making the Muppets in the 70s after they they debuted on Sesame Street. Yeah, and there was a a few different iterations of... uh, Fraggle Rock, including an yeah. animated series that uh, NBC tried to line up in 1987, which pretty quickly, uh, pretty quickly got cut. But I mean, uh, I, I did you did you watch any of it? I did not. It is the same. It's the same. It is the same, but worse because they made it more like Muppet Babies. Yeah, that's um, what I heard, and it just sort of got away from itself. Uh, there I was think also a large a, part of the charm in this show is because it's puppets and not animation. So it, it does a lot to like humanize but also make them alien um but there was also a doozers spinoff in 2014 which Mm -hmm. is not for us no Uh, it's it's very much a bob the builder kind of thing as i understand it and they say that hey maybe there's a movie someday but that's been the case since 2005 and it's it's not gonna happen (laughs) do you know who they try who who said that he wanted to direct it joseph gordon levitt what the fuck no, they gave him the reins. They're like, all right, you're not doing anything right now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem busy. 
And he like checked his watch and he's like, ah, oh, well, it's another couple of decades before I'm Bruce Willis. So yeah, I got some time to kill. Let's, let's oh do this God, thing. Oh my God, he will be. Um, <laughs> so the, the idea behind the show, uh, Fraggle Rock, was Jim Henson decided, uh, I want to make what a if TV- there was peace on earth. <laughs> yeah. I want to make a TV show that brought, that brings about world peace, which like, all right, Jim Henson, I guess you can do that. If anyone's going to try, I mean. Yeah. And it, I don't of course, know. I, puppets, I think that this is because uh, they're yeah, just they're, like they're, us. They they have a pretty lofty goal. They want this to be something that can kind of unite people and different countries. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, I, I don't take that goal too literally. It's just well, sort of a frame of mind that they wanted to be for the making of Fraggle Rock. Yeah. Well, the idea is like there's all different kinds of people in this world, and they might look different, uh, and they might live in a different way. But they're supporting each other in a symbiosis they might not even be aware of. And that's that's like a really clear allegory to the different nations on Earth, as well as um, an excellent lead-in into the plot of the show. Which yeah. is that there are these furry little creatures. They're very silly. They're pretty much hobbits. And they live in the wall. Um, the, Your this, wall. This whole, yeah, this whole <laughs> fraggle society is just is just at the fringe of our perception which is delight a delightful thing to think about yeah it, because it's not monstrous like it usually is when we think about it right <laughs> it's not it's not a gremlin situation <laughs> yeah it's not corpse bride it's not uh all never, real monsters yeah I, ne- I never get like the image of like Wembley wholesale like sinking his mandibles into a live sparrow or something like that to suck out its meat i can kind of see that <laughs> um, he did seem unhinged and bloodthirsty in his own it's way. Just, it's just those googly eyes that do it. The googly eyes are just are just watching. Um, so the yeah. So but but these guys are very pleasant. The idea that there mm-hmm. is this other world that's parallel to our own, where everyone's very pro-social and communist, um, yeah. kind of like the Smurfs, but uh, done better. Done a far better. There's so much person more personality than Smurfs, and and the idea of like doing it this way and making them all different, but you know, united, uh, that gave Fraggle Rock a very international appeal, and it's uh, it's been popularized in several countries. It, it not just popularized. This was intended as an international show for exactly that mission statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, uh, the PBS style Sesame Street segments where uncle traveling matt don't you worry we'll get to uncle traveling matt later got a lot to say about uncle traveling matt (laughs) where where he goes to different locations uh they they did that all over the world to Mm -hmm. the point of actually getting dave goals the guy who uh was the puppeteer for traveling matt they flew him to new zealand or australia or something in order to shoot a couple of the scenes which is yeah can't can't mail a puppet no, and well, that's the thing they they (laughs) did you know they did phone it in for other ones they didn't fly him everywhere but i just think it's neat that they that this was the scope of the show, that they mm-hmm. went so far in order to realize this uh, this dream. And yeah, I, I, it, it apparently worked out very well. You know, it's, it's a beloved property. I don't know if it's as beloved in different countries, but it is here. I love them. Yeah. I love them mm-hmm. a lot. Just getting through the other uh, Game of Thrones-esque noble families, however, uh, there are the Gorgs, which are problematic. Like, I don't... It's... It feels a little bit like a Roseanne family with, yeah. delusions of, with delusions of grandeur. Yeah, that's just Tom Arnold there wearing his little <laughs> yeah. sloppy Burger King crown. 
<laughs> it, I mean, that's what it feels like. Um, yeah, a so, really doughy DJ. <laughs> we have the king and queen of the universe, which means very little. They're just like clearly like it means subsistence a lot to them. farmers. Yeah, yes. like let them have that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, and their they son, need to pass the time however they can. And their son Junior is either this or lynching. Like, so. Yeah, um, and they're gorgs, which means, like, they're people in fursuits, but, like, where the wild things are type fursuits. That's a, yeah, that's a good parallel, yeah. Um, and they, you know, they see a fraggle, and they're like, I gotta catch that. Yeah, that's something I don't know, so that means we're at war. Yeah, uh, I gotta put it in a cage. Yeah, I mean, that, and that is a very clear, <clears throat> we don't understand each other, and so violence. They're crossing you know? into our territory, they're stealing our radishes. Some I assume are good people. Put them in a cage. No, 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 no. Zane, we do this so much. We do this too often. <laughs> why, why can't it just speak for itself? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> because you know, like po- just po- politics is so pervasive. Yes, just because who I am as a person, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> can't really yeah, leave maybe. things. Uh, yeah, the the other noble court, as it were, uh, is a real life person, Doc, and his Muppet dog, Sprocket, which is, is it- such a fun pairing. Is it is it bad that like as a dumb child it didn't occur to me that that was a puppet and not a real dog? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Like it's clearly different from the Fraggles, and that's like enough. Mm-hmm. It's not the main facet about them, but I don't know. I think it's very cute. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're kind of life partner esque relationship that cements them as not just man and dog, but like best friends and roommates. Yeah, it's pretty in, cute in like a in like a sad way. Like these are sad people. I mean, a little bit, but I mean, it, he, the dog is also clearly sentient, so I don't think it's that sad. Uh-huh. It's just, uh, it's just a, you know, a man and his dog, and that's... <laughs> a man and his small furry man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> who can't talk. No, but he does, un- but he does know how to listen, and he clearly knows how to love. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know, I just, I think that their relation, he, Doc is a really cool character to me that we can talk about a little bit later, but he's like this kind of hermit tinker who's... Almost like Uncle Traveling Matt in a way, mm-hmm. in that, you know, not in that he's an explorer, but in that he has rejected the confines of his society to live a life that makes sense to him. Yeah, he's every old engineer. Yeah, which is a trope that I love. Uh, and then, let's see, uh, we also have the Doozers. Oh, yeah, geez, <laughs> I forgot that there's just more factions. And these are little green men who live to work, and they build these uh, plastic towers that Fraggles eat. Uh, yeah they're interesting because like they're clearly also puppets but they're in a different sort like with the fraggles they're like oh something's controlling them from underneath or from the side with the doozers they look almost more like animatronic wind they up look toys automatons yeah yeah and i'm not sure how they generally do that i think that they're more troubling in like a social context where it's clear that they are second class citizens <laughs> Yeah, Brave New World, the F's and the E's and the... It's exactly Brave New World. <laughs> yeah. They don't seem I, to I, mind, I was, but I don't know if that's better. You know, I, I was kind of playing with this idea that this is what a post-work <clears throat> society looks like. And where where there's different... Like, everybody is fulfilling what makes sense to them, but in some cases that is producing, and in some cases that is not doing anything and just taking Soma holidays. Yeah, they're, they're essentially robots, but they're cute, too. Yeah, and, and I remember from my child—this is going to be one of those things where I just have vague memories of watching this a lot as a kid, where I remember there was one episode where Moki, uh, the hippie puppet, uh, tried to get 
fraggles to stop eating doozer constructions in the weird ecology where their constructions are edible uh-huh. and uh apparently they they die if they can't build and if they don't if the buildings don't get eaten they can't build anymore so it was kind of like a uh white man's burden-esque situation of we think we're helping them but it's actually hurting them so yeah, why are the, we not it's the plot know. of b movie go check out our critique on b movie <laughs> go watch b movie go watch b movie so yeah, and that's I, I mean that's know, interesting. Yeah, and th- there's a lot of these things that are interesting. To zoom out a little bit because we're getting very quagmired. There's a lot to the show. It's one of those. It's very Moomin esque in that there's a lot of lore that makes no sense. Yeah, but it works because it's showing different ways that different people can live and still like like it's it's pro social. Everybody's living a different way, but they're not stepping on each other's toes. I mean, sometimes they do, but sometimes it's, it's not steal. in a... Yeah, sometimes it's, they're it's artists in a way, and vagabonds. It's not in a way that they can't resolve amongst themselves without resorting to, you know, yeah. warfare or whatever. Uh, the last faction, I guess, in this uh, Game of Thrones thing that is worth mentioning is... Um, Their deity. Yeah, the all-knowing, all-powerful trash heap? Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't really know what the idea here it like we discard the remnants of our society but there's is it like a look into the past to get wisdom kind of thing i don't no, know this is a dumpster like the contents of a dumpster <laughs> gain sentience kind of <laughs> it's, it's yeah, i'm making it too cool yeah and she's uh her, her name is marjorie she's yeah. very jewish um yeah and the the idea is like oh well i'm made of everything i must know everything yeah, that, I like that. I I like that interpretation. <laughs> I also kind of like got at a old black woman kind of soul, yeah, soul a little, vibe a little to bit. her, mm-hmm. especially when she sings. Yeah, she she dispenses wisdom. Um, she does, and it. So there, there's this common um, like the Fraggles are very sort of young and impetuous, and they're kind of learning the world. And every other type of creature kind of has things more or less figured out. Um, and so the Fraggles yeah. seek wisdom from all these different sources. But, you know, uh, when you go to the Trash Heap or Traveling Matt or other Fraggles, getting wisdom in this show just gives you different kinds of wrong answers. It's it's very <laughs> funny. Like, the that, that, that is a good interpretation of this because it really cements the idea that, listen, some other countries don't share our point of view. And mm. it's not because they're bad. It's because... It they doesn't, live different. It doesn't directly translate. Like, you actually have to explain to each other what's going on. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to draw wild conclusions about another person's culture. Like, yeah. Uncle Traveling Matt sounds like an insane person writing back because he never actually talks to the humans. Which right. they're capable of. Yeah. He, like, he thinks statues are people that just like standing very still. And he's like, well, maybe I'll try standing very still. And he's like, this is bad. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's it's a good message about, like... Not only accepting other people's experiences, but also how you have to learn the the, the message yourself. Like yeah, you have it, to learn from your own experience. It has to go both ways. There's no I'm better and therefore they should learn my goddamn language. It's you know, come to the table, come to yeah. the table and express and like exchange ideas. And you're never done. And I, I you're think never that's, done. I think that's a very powerful message that isn't really stated outright so much as it's just a constant hum underneath everything. I agree. Uh, let, let's let's back up a few paces because we're getting very into tone and genre stuff. Uh, I know. We... I do want to mention one thing about yes. the trash heap. Sure. Uh, in German, the term for the all-knowing trash heap, Allwissende Müllhalde. Yeah. 
that has become slang for search engines like Google or Wikipedia. What? Because it's an all-knowing trash heap. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's a little too meme for me to be- believe it. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's like... Um, and not for Mimi from Drew Carey Show, either. She kind of does seem like a Gorg. Or an all-knowing trash heap. Yeah, okay, so the, the Gorgs are the cast of Drew Carey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, canon established. <laughs> yep. So uh, I, let, let, let's back up a few paces, because we, we kind of launched right into everything we love about the show without describing our familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. You, you need to know some of the pieces of what's going on here, because we're going to say, like, yeah, and, you know, this this sentient trash heap meant a lot to me as a kid. Like, we we need to lay the groundwork there. <laughs> well, what was the groundwork for you, Zane? The groundwork was um, you have fraggles, and they all have very different personalities, but they love but, each other. No, 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 no. And they what all I'm saying, are just trying to get... What I'm asking get, is, what is your familiarity with fraggles? Just trying to make their way in the world... Trying to, Takes trying, to live, they got. trying to live better through each other. And, like, the way to live with each other and through each other is to live in each other. But not, like, in a weird way where you are them, but, like, a way where they're you. Is this and that's your much Greg more Sipes open. impression? <laughs> yes. Okay. Just checking. Zane, <laughs> what is your familiarity with Fraggle? What's your history? I mean, I remember some of the episodes growing up, but not too many. Like, I think we had a few VHS tapes. We did. Um, so, you know, watching a bunch of the ones from the first season, uh, aside from that, I literally haven't touched it for 20 years. I, <laughs> I also haven't touched it for 20 years. I think my memories of it are stronger than yours. Like mm-hmm, I, I remember more details. I actually remember with surprising, uh, with surprising ability, the, a few of the songs, which I, I lo- went and looked on the production of this, the puppeteers whom also did the voices for the, the, the core fraggle cast, um, you know, there's an element of this show, this show that is a, it is a musical kind of, uh, kind mm-hmm. of show. Yep. And so they do, sh- they do songs every now and again, um, generally like once an episode kind of things in a way that I didn't hate, which we can go into later. But the puppeteers would, you know, they, they were well thought out and well executed songs to the degree that it would stick in their heads for the next couple of days, which I think <laughs> is a very cool, that's a very cool detail that like even... It was infectious even to the people creating it. Yeah, and I mean, that makes that makes a degree of sense. I mean, this is the only place for people... Like, you're going to have really good talent if you're the only game in town. And I remember a lot of the songs. I almost remember the entire plot of the Terrible Tunnel episode. Mm-hmm. Sir Blunderbrain went bravely to the entrance of the tunnel. The wind was low and loathsome, and it wasn't any uh, funnel. And any hurt the spirits who cried their sad refrain. It was all the fraggles who had gone and never come again. Yes, all the fraggles who had gone and never come again. I, I remember, you know, Moki trying to get fraggles to stop eating doozer constructions. I remember Boober bouncing on a pie for some reason. Like, I just remember a bunch of <laughs> weird little snippets. Of, uh, of this show because it was so influential to me. And mm-hmm. I don't know how it was. Like, the everything looks great. All of the set design is fantastic. The puppets look so good. So I, I'm mm-hmm. not surprised that this caught my attention when I was a kid, but I don't know how to express that it did, you know? Yeah, I th- and I think that makes a lot of sense. A lot of, a lot of the depth of this show kind of slid off me back then. 
Um, yeah. And I just remember like, oh, these are kooky cartoon characters doing fun, witty things. And it I remember it exactly from one angle. It, it so. wasn't different to me from all the other stuff. So it, it like like I watched this. I watched Rugrats. At that age, I could not tell you like what's the big difference between these. Yeah, that they, they, they just were media I could consume. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all I knew at that age was consuming. But coming to it as an adult, I'm blown away by how good <laughs> this is. There's depth. This is. This is a fucking incredible show. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you 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 don't have to share my opinion. Zane, we're gonna have to do some real nonsense for a while. You keep on giving me shows that have so much good lore that I'm so into. It feels <laughs> like another Moomins. The lore and the depth of this show is really incredible on a, on a purely aesthetic level. Um, in terms of like just me enjoying it, I think probably less so than you. I did enjoy it quite a bit, but like I didn't feel the need to like keep watching more. No, I don't feel the need to keep watching it more, but it is, it's certainly acceptable, like, Binding of Isaac music. It's certainly not of offensive to my senses. Like, I watch, like watching them run around. I, I have more important things to do as an adult, but, you know, <laughs> if I am in the position where I have to watch it, I'm enjoying my ass off. Mm-hmm. There's so much here to enjoy. I, I mean, like, it, it really is no more complicated than that, and we can get into the specifics of it later, but... Full stop. I I am a big fan of this show. This is, I'm blown away by how good this still is. You know, one of our mission statements in the Carton cast. Do we? What do we think of it as adults? I think it's amazing. I think it's an amazing <laughs> production. I'm 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 glad. I'm glad you enjoy it so much. I don't feel it as much. Um, I noticed a lot of the, um, you know, the fraying at the seams. I noticed a lot of like. Just, just sort of roughness around the edges and, and problems with like a little bit of pacing stuff and a little bit of like just a lot of nits that I had to pick um, if, that if I couldn't you ignore. Mind, when we, as we get to those nits, would you mind pointing them out just so I, I can yeah. see what you I think maybe I had a little bit of blindness going through this in that I was overwhelmed by all the good that I didn't see those nits and I would love to hear what they were. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not nothing major in any one direction. I think it's just like. Fraggle Rock is such a such an iconic and important show that like I didn't remember enough to have that to have much nostalgia for it, mm-hmm. but also I knew it well enough that like nothing was going to live up to it. <laughs> sure, I was I'm in that dangerous patch. Yeah, that that's a rough place to live uh, when you're coming back to cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in any case, uh, I think that we've set up the idea of it well enough. Let's talk about the characters. Yeah, so like, like we said, most real of these, good cast. Yeah, so we're going to focus part. mostly on the Fraggles themselves as like this core group of five um, yep. that go and interact with everyone else. Um, the Fraggles, like we said, are these little. Well, it's it's kind of like a reverse poodle. I want to say. Uh, explain yourself, please. Like a like a colorful reverse poodle with like random tufts of hair just like blooming out in directions and a long spindly tail, but like bipedal. I, I couldn't describe yeah, this in like they're bird like, but also dog like. I don't know. They look they look kinda like rats to me. They look a little like, bit. They like look like bipedal rats with giant honkers and sweaters. And googly eyes. And googly eyes. It's it's a little bit difficult to, to describe them. I, I recommend everyone go look at what these things look like because they're you know, part of why I like this so much better than the Smurfs is that the Smurfs were just very visually unimpressive, but all of these puppets are very, very stylized and personal. Mm-hmm. And most, and there's like 
like a hundred fraggles, but we there's we most, so many of them. The the five main ones that are more differentiated are kind of where we draw our focus. Uh, this main cast of fraggles were primarily designed by uh, Michael Frith, mm. who was executive VP and creative director for the Henson Company. Also, he was Doctor Seuss's book editor. And also, he founded No Strings, a charity group which uses puppets in film to help children understand how to navigate bad things in the world. That's so good. So, like, he's using puppets and cartoons to, like, tell kids, like, kids, this is what HIV is. Or, like, kids, if you live in a war zone, here's how to spot and avoid landmines. Wow. Like, just, just not, uh, not dumbing it down at all. That, I mean, that's how you would have to do it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And And that was, like, it's very clear in this show, like... They're constantly talking about the big issues. They are. That's another kind of scope of this show is that in order to make it a show about peace and trying to make the world a war-free kind of environment where we all understand each other, we do have to ta- tackle some issues such as um, it, we, we have to like some some actual issues like ecology and the environment and scarcity and justice, mm-hmm. um, things that kids probably won't have a good conception of what may, like, the, they can only kind of relate to it in a black and white sense. Yeah. And having, and the plots articulate in this show in a way that I feel like gives it a bit more texture that is actually um, accessible to a mm-hmm. kid. Yeah, teaching them how to meet the world where it's at. Yeah, as opposed to having it filtered through a... A metaphor. Um, yeah, through a, like a Dora the Explorer esque, um, this is good and this is bad sort of morality. I mean, they do use metaphor occasionally, but mostly it's just like, oh, they might die. They'll be dead if we don't do something. And then, like, they, yeah. they talk about death constantly. <laughs> I really love the pre, you know, censors era where death means death and it doesn't mean going away or, you know, uh, anything else that they try to use to couch death? Gone. Gone is a real popular one. Yeah, gone. Uh, um, yeah. But these uh, I, the characters are controlled and voiced by Muppet veterans. Um, yeah. There's really only one company that's known for this sort of high-level puppeteering work, especially at the time. I only took a note of a couple of them, mm-hmm. which uh, Steve Whitmire and Dave Goles as being kind of <laughs> kind of Muppet veterans. Steve Whitmire apparently pissed off. <laughs> Uh, pissed off, uh, you know, the the Muppet Company too much, and he got like canned for, uh, canned pretty recently. I think he was was he Kermit? I don't oh, remember. Really? Hang on, let me let me uh. let me see. Steve Whitmire, who looks exactly like what if Shaggy grew up and didn't change at all, <laughs> and uh, he, yeah, he was the second performer of two signature Muppets, Kermit the Frog and Ernie, after Jim Henson died in 1990. And he was dismissed from the Muppets in very pretty recently, July 2017. Oh. Apparently, he had an attitude of brinksmanship to get what he wanted in, in things, and people were kind of tired of his attitude. Nothing but, specific on, hmm. uh, you know, nothing specific in, in the Wikipedia page, just kind of something. Yeah. But he plays the part of Wembley, which which I love. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dave Goles is the person who plays the part of Boober, and I was looking up a little information on this. Each of the Fraggles was personalized to a puppeteer before the... Like, the rules oh. were created for them. Oh, that's nice. That's which great. Which is very cool. They, uh, these these characters are very nicely, uh, really really fleshed out and, and real characters. Um, every time you say, say Dave Goals, I, I hear Dave Grohl. As do I. And I'm the um, one saying it. It's, it's real hard. Yeah. Um, so let's so, get into them. Well, I want to talk about just how Fraggles are essentially hobbits first. Yeah. 
because they, they real look, homebodies. <laughs> real homebodies. They don't actually seem to have jobs at like they barely like. I mean, Boober's the runs the laundromat and sometimes cooks. I didn't think that any of the other ones had any job. They're bohemian. They, uh, you know, they're, they're everything's good. We live on a commune. It, uh, it, these, it does feel like a commune, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, I mean, that's cool. They um, they love to dance, eat, sing, basically anything that's unproductive and whimsical. You know, it very much felt like a day in the Shire for mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, they're they're kind of moomins again. It there are more moomins, yes. But like even even less culture culture uh I don't know work Yeah, m- well Moomins live in a house and sometimes yeah. do crafts. These guys live in holes in the wall and like have rap Kinda battles. Don't do anything or whatever they do. They like dance around and sing constantly and then just like wander off. <laughs> yeah, they're just wandering all day. I you know, it's 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 that weird flip side to and this is what made me think this is like a depiction of a post-work society where some of them are cool with that, and some of them need something more, like Uncle Traveling Matt. He's like, he, I'm not really content with just eating radish cake all day and and playing Heidi Ho or whatever the hell they do. Like, I, I, this is my my purpose is to the explorer. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And you guys, and you can tell here. by the fact that I'm dressed like a safari man. So I guess I'm an explorer. <laughs> He's so funny. Like his his getup is just great. But I, I think that this is an interesting depiction of what a post-society work society would look like, where some are cared for, you know, no, there's no expectation of you need to contribute here. Mm-hmm. You know, you just do what you do, and if that leads you into a direction that benefits us, then we're going to support you. Yeah, and the, if robots, it, the robots yeah. do the work. Um, you can just follow your hobbies to your heart's content. It's kind of like a college campus. I mean, this 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 show did appeal very strongly to creative types. Like that was that's that's mm-hmm. part of its metrics. Yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah, so th- that's that's the kind of image that I want going forward for the Fraggles because I think it colors each of their specific slight deviations a little bit. Yeah. So Gobo, he's our, the leader of the bunch. You know him well. Our, uh, our he's protagonist. He's voiced and uh, voiced and puppeted. God, what's the puppeteered that's got to be the verb by uh jerry nelson Mm -hmm. uh his his primary character traits are that he's ready for adventure and he's canadian Um, yeah yeah the i mean this was yeah it it was not you know solely a u.s venture right it was also canadian i found him a little bland otherwise um i think he's supposed to be mostly the like neutral audience surrogate um, he's always available to start the plot, like he always wants to do something. But aside from that, I I, I didn't feel too strongly about him uh, this time around. I I actually kind of disagree. I think that I I found him pretty interesting, specifically because he seemed like he was trying to choose between Uncle Tra- Zane. I thought a lot about hobbits in this episode. Mm-hmm. So the this is original, Bilbo. This is well, no, this is our Frodo. Traveling Bilbo's Matt Uncle is Traveling Matt. Oh, okay. So and this Doc is what is Gandalf. I, yeah, okay. No, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> yep, this works. <laughs> you, you just give me a minute here. <laughs> no, I'm ag- I'm agreeing with you. I just I feel like you're not. Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn are the Gorgs. No, they're they're they're. Uh, oh, oh God! The trash okay. heap is Pippin. Uh, Galadriel. Screw Pippin. <laughs> <laughs> Take that Pippin. The. So uh, the, 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 the dynamic between Bilbo and Frodo, to me, has always been Bilbo has accepted a life beyond the Shire. Frodo is not sure. Mm. 
And that is what I get with Uncle Traveling Matt is, you know, he's like, Fraggledom is great, but it's not for me. I'm going to go see what's out there. Gobo, also a self-professed explorer, he's like, he's sort of like the early stages of Kamina in Gurren Lagann, where his dad went to explore the great unknown, and he wasn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he doesn't know, he thinks that, like, eventually he'll probably want to go exploring, but he's not, he, he's still in love with the Shire. Yeah, he loves his friends and, and all the things they do. Um, He bookends the series nicely in this way, because at the beginning, Traveling Matt goes out on an adventure, and Gobo's like, I have to get your postcard every few days? Like, yeah. I have to go into outer space? I um, love how they call it outer space. <laughs> which is the, just the engineer's, like, work shed. <laughs> yeah. Um. But then at the end of the series, you know, he makes contact with the silly creatures of the outer space, and they invite him to, like, come with me come, to the desert. Come to the desert. <laughs> <laughs> which the is desert. a bad sell. <laughs> I really like it. Like, the clear, we have to m- make a kid understand this. I can't say, like, you know, we're going to go to, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna live in, like, the... I don't know Nigeria because well I found for whatever you know like, I found work in another desert. town. My friend you know is is moving back because his business venture failed and it's kind of sad. But I want to support him. But no, very clearly, we're going to the desert. But yeah, it's like very clearly <laughs> not here. They're trying to make a kid understand different biome that you get. It's not a it's not a place. It's a biome. It's like no matter where you are, the desert is always far away. Yes. Um. But yeah, and, and Gobo is like still struggling. Like, do I want to adventure more? Or do I want to stay where I know it, where it's comfortable? And it's it's resolved because, you know, it's magic. Um, of course. You know, like that last episode, I just watched it before we started recording. And like, it, it's kind of it's kind of weird and emotional and like uneven. <laughs> it's very uneven. <laughs> like it in a good feel, way. It, 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 it's a, I mean, we can talk about the final episode later. It, it's a conclusion that I didn't need. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, which makes it very strange in my in my heart. But uh, to, to speak about Gobo, I think that he does exist between those two worlds trying to figure out where he belongs, which I, I think is I think is a very relatable quality. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, that that colors a lot of his behavior. He is very much a planner. He wants to make sure that he's making the right decision. And he, you know, as, as much as Wembley is the kind of the person who doesn't know what he wants, I found that to be much more true of Gobo. Yeah, on a personal level, and that's why they're such good, uh, you know, they're such good friends. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, for for Gobo, he's trying to bring the things that he's heard about in these adventures to the Shire so that he can have both. He he's trying to fit this strange new, this brave new world into a context that he understands. He's very analytical. I found mm-hmm. he's very level headed. Uh, there's an episode where Uncle Traveling Matt comes back to visit, and they want to go visit again. Weird Fraggle lore: the Crystal Caverns. Yeah, yeah, because we live in a cave with crystals, but these are different. These are different. They're more special. And <laughs> they go exploring, and they explore in very different ways, mm-hmm. which I think is very cool that Gobo, he, he draws out maps, and he's very deliberate, and he's skeptical of his uncle's, you know, strokes of genius to get him from place to place. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of... His uncle relies on intuition. Gobo relies on cold hard facts, which is why he's such a skeptic for all the weird traditional <laughs> bullshit that Boober tends to throw at him. I, I don't know. I feel like it's a very consistent, deliberate characterization. Mm-hmm. And I, the more I saw, the more that was cemented. Um, he's also one of the best singers in this show because we have a lot of music, and I, I oh tend to God. like his songs a lot. 
Zane, please clip Every in that first song that he and Traveling Matt sing, because that that is basically the road goes rain. ever on and on by Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> where we're going, where we've been. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. It, like, there's so many parallels between the two. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't direct connections, but... Now you sing with me, Bilbo! Every morning, every day. Every evening, calling me away. Very good, Nephew Gobo. Keep following. But we haven't gone anywhere yet. What? Uh, um, uh, this way. You know, I remember oh, reading yeah. that um, Michael Frith, who was designing the characters, I think he, like, when he was at Harvard, like, made a parody of Lord of the Rings. Maybe there is some connective <laughs> tissue here, yeah, this, this might actually be really good because <laughs> this does feel very much like the shire you know the, their houses are built into the side of hills mm-hmm. let's, let's let's keep this in mind yeah let's keep in mind hobbiton every morning every day every evening calling me away hmm, one more time boy um, I also, so I don't know, you know, typically when you have, like, five main characters, there's this, like, the different, the, the five different, like, temperaments kind of yeah. thing. Um, Cheerleader, I actually, so-and-so, the ugly one! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the teen girl squad. Yep. But, um, I, like, when I, when I came back and watched the first episode, I'm like, oh, hell, like, I, I recognize this from psychology classes. These are the five basic personality characteristics of uh, the really? ocean model. Bring yeah, it up. Each fraggle represents an extreme of one of these traits, and Gobo is openness, openness to new experiences. Very much fits with his explorer, like his 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 curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's not content just with fraggle society. He, he wants to know what's out there. Yeah. Um, agreeableness is Wembley, um, because <laughs> he's constantly, he's just like I didn't like Wembley very much. Uh, he is like the most wishy-washy, and that's like kind of his only trait. He's the, he's the youngest of the group. Um, I, I find him pretty pretty fun to listen to at the very least. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that Steve Woodmire is, is an excellent voice cast for this particular looking puppet. <laughs> well, he wears a Hawaiian shirt. Which endears him to you somewhat. Somewhat, somewhat. Although, you know, I don't think he wore it particularly well. Oh, come on. Uh, Come off it. (laughs) I love his big nose and how, like, it seems to have its own joint. When he gets dejected, like, the tip of his nose kind of goes down. Yeah, and, like, you can see, like, how the hand within it is kind of doing its thing. But it doesn't look like a hand in a a thing. No, Uh, I mean, they look like animate weird creatures that are clearly puppets, but they don't look like they got hands up their asses. He's got, uh, like, these big bug out eyes. Like, everyone else has at least semblance of an eyelid. (laughs) I don't Um, know if that's true. Red doesn't. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Red also doesn't. Uh, but he has this crazy Einstein hair that makes him look unhinged. Yeah, he's like a Philo from UHF or something. Uh, every, he, everybody's got, like, different colored hair, but his is just, like, straight out. His is a shock of hair. That's how you describe that hairstyle. I do like how, like, all the characters' personalities comes across in their models. Yeah, I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's more or less accurate. Um, I, I think that, uh... You were talking about the five personality types, and we can go into each of them as we discuss the characters, but I'm wondering, 
Um, let's let's think about Winnie the Pooh and the common mm-hmm. interpretation that all of the Hundred Acre Woods characters are personality disorders or, or, or mental disorders, right? Sure. And I, I think this goes a little less far than that. These are just extreme personalities, not necessarily uh, disorders, although for Wembley. I, you I'm know, not saying that they are, certainly. but here, here's my point, if, if I may. It seems like for kids programming, it is much easier to craft a group that is adhering to an existing framework as opposed to making complex characters you choose something that is already well cemented in like a kid would recognize Mm -hmm. these emotions because they are very blatant and overpowering and that that's the core of their character so i think that maybe when you do create a kid's show you pick a framework to model everything after yeah definitely and also it it reinforces that idea of like you have to interact with people you're not similar to Mm mm-hmm yeah, that, in this that's case, also personality-wise, and, and they they are the best of friends. You know, they they step on each other each other's toes sometimes, but you also get the feeling like the variety in their interactions is what makes the show watchable. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it the friction that you get from the meeting of different ideas of m- different personalities is so necessary. Because you know that they're always going to try to resolve. Like, they're good enough friends where even if something goes wrong, they'll work to fix it. There's no way that they'll just, like, let something slide or, like, ignore it. Like, everyone's everyone knows that that resolution, that interaction, that heart-to-heart conversation where we make up has to happen. We know it's coming. <laughs> we know it's coming. And that is, like, you know, another great message for the kids. Like, sometimes conversations are hard. You're going to have to have them sooner or later. Right. Um, I didn't like Wembley for one specific reason. Please. So normally – so I I tried to skip around the different seasons a little bit. And I think uh, the quality and the focus kind of dropped off a little bit over time. That seems Um, right. They they started off much more character-driven and like personal-focused. And then they got kind of like, oh, we're going on a crazy wild adventure. adventure, We're traveling through time. It it became much more like Muppet Babies, I think. Mm. Um, But – you know, the different characters, you know, they're not single, they're not single focused, they're multifaceted. And so you would get different episodes where like, oh, Moki feels dejected or like, oh, in this one, Moki is trying something new or in this one, Moki is becoming more adventurous. Or so, like, I think I see where you're going with this. Every Wembley's single episodes were all e- about one thing, weren't they? Every single Wembley episode was... How can we make him more decisive and less of a Wembler? Yeah. Which is that's... a verb they made up for this, which means to be wishy-washy. I think it's a good verb. And th- it, it is a good word. They just used it too much, and that's his goddamn name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's like like they really box themselves into a corner with this because he's just kind of so single note. And so th- th- when you have a, a, an episodic c- series like this where you don't have to watch them in order, if you learn a lesson – you shouldn't be able to learn the same lesson again later if you're doing it right. And I know mm. most shows fail this, but this one was doing really well except for this one case where they always were like, let's make him more decisive. Oh, no, that didn't work. You're fine the way you are. Huh. It just yeah, – I, I, I actively avoided his episodes after a bit. I can I can see what you're talking about there. I, I don't know if I entirely agree, but it, it does make sense. I think that – the notion of him having to learn the same episode, having to learn the same lesson over and over, I think it has that thing of repeating, reiterating a concept, kind of gives it more weight, and 
I don't think that inherently you can't learn the same lesson twice and have and learn it in a different way that colors it. Like maybe this time we learn. Well, sometimes you have to be decisive, and maybe this other time we learn. Maybe it's okay to be indecisive. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that you can learn the same lesson from a different angle and have it inform his character development in in a different way. I'm not saying it happened because I didn't. I didn't happen to see very many with it, which make me gives me some bias to defend him as opposed to. I know, mean, they 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 did mix up. it up a bit, but I think they they missed the subtleties that they got with the other interactions. It's also worth noting that he is designed to be the young kind of the baby of the group, mm-hmm. and, and that really goes along with the idea of him constantly bumping up against this inability to sort of be independent, right. And, you know, that would have been a good way for him to express the wishy-washy following characteristic without doing specifically that is to just show him as being immature and not very, not not understanding things very well and, and kind of have a fo- episode focused on him being more independent, not him being more decisive, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, I think it's much more engaging for a character to, like, agree with the last thing he heard rather than to just constantly be like well this no wait well that well this i think that that's a very funny dynamic though (laughs) when i watched like red and gobo kind of disagreeing about something and every time one of them talked when they would just agree with the last person who talked yeah completely oblivious to anyone else who was also there yeah for some reason that's very funny to me he 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 adds to the scene when he's not the focus of it i think that that is a good way to put it, yeah. And he can be the focus occasionally, but I guess doing it too much drives the point home far farther than home base. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Red. Can we talk about Red? We can. I don't really like Red that much. Yeah, she she went up and down for me. Um, she voiced, voiced and puppet, puppeteered by Karen Prell, which I didn't see much of. Um, sh- her personality trait would be extroversion. Um, sure, she is a bit much. She's uh, she's extremely much. She she's loud and aggressive. You know, not not necessarily more active than the others, but she does like the sports things or the theatrical things. Like she wants she's attention. She's more from the weekenders. She wants activity. She wants to be doing things, um, and that's just like that's also kind of not enough. I, I felt like she was a little less well developed than the others. I think so too. I mean, you you do need to have the over energetic sometimes gets in other people's spaces to round out the ensemble, but it it, it does it does wear on me in the same way that people like that wear on me. And mm-hmm. that's not, you know, a fault of the character or even the show. It's just like obviously I'm going to like some of these little idiots more than others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think they just like didn't quite know what to do with her because being you know it's the same problem as Wembley uh being interested in like as a personality trait rather than being interested in a specific activity or thing uh it's just less it there's less to go with the uh I did see one episode focused on her which I enjoyed quite a bit which is she exaggerates something and no one kind of believes her sort of a boy who cried wolf situation and then she finds a um, she finds, like, a sea monster who is, like, the last of the lily creatures in a nearby <laughs> pond. She keeps finding monsters. <laughs> and when she does that, she tries to tell everyone about it, and no one believes her, and she eventually decides to show show the sea monster to them and finds proof, but then the sea monster is like, please don't tell anyone about me. Let's just keep this our secret. And she goes back and is like, you know what, everyone? I, I made it all up. 
there's no sea monster. I'm sorry. And everyone forgives her and they move <laughs> on. But like, how brave is that in a show? Like, I think that episode was very good in terms of message. Yeah. And, and less in terms of character. Is that the, the, the message of that episode was you're not always going to agree with your friends and you have to like be okay with, you know, getting through something without it being perfectly resolved. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'm, that it's easiest to do with her since she is the most stepping on other people's toes of the bunch. That's true. Yeah, it, it so gets into that sort of classic cartoon formula. She forces confrontation to sit outside the box of our standard moral <laughs> conclusion format that we tend to get in kids' shows. I didn't realize how many of these episodes are like, okay, we have a character with a set personality. It gets them into trouble. They try to do, they do a hard turn. They try and be the opposite. It doesn't work, and they realize, like, okay, I myself am fine. Sometimes I need to be a little more this. Yeah, it, it's it's very rarely, like, they are wrong and need to be a different way. It's more about, I can be myself, and I just need to articulate it in a way that doesn't bother others. Or mm-hmm. that, it, you know, I, I need to, I can be myself and also keep other people in consideration, which is also part of the broader peace between nations yeah, kind of it, message. Yeah, it's, it's okay to love myself, but also I need to tr- always strive to be better. There was a really good, uh, there was a really good song. I don't remember exactly what it was. I think Go- it was one of the ones that Gobo sang, where he was singing about, I want to love everybody around me as much as I love myself. Aww. And that really kind of got me. As a person who, you know, is, is, who tends to, you know, blame themselves a lot and think not too well of myself at times to put it on center stage, um, the idea that you also need to cherish yourself and sh- telling, telling kids to love others as much as they love themselves to be, to let that be your framework is mm-hmm. very, you know, love thy neighbor in a, in a positive love yourself kind of way. I think it's, it's just, I don't know. It's a very positive message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, I mean, this is a great show for messaging for children, certainly. Me- message is maybe its strongest spoke mm-hmm. in, in a show that I think has very few weak spokes. <laughs> um, what did you think of Moki? Not a lot. I It was pretty tricky to like her. I used to hate her because she's slow and boring, but mm-hmm. I... She's like this melancholy poet, and she talks differently from everyone else. She um, does. And very, she's got a good stoner eyes, too. Yeah, she's got them, like, half-open lids. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, she, I, I've seen her in a tizzy. I've seen her in a jokey mood. Um, there was this great episode where she faked her own death uh, by accident. I've, I've read about that. <laughs> <laughs> that one was, was very good because she's like, like, the audience could tell, like, oh, they're going to think she died because she made a fake puppet of herself and put it into a trap where it would die. Um, <laughs> you know, Red, you're so pretty. I'm going to miss you when you're gone. You're made of rags and scraps and tags and no one thinks you're real. And when you go, they'll never know the loneliness I feel. Dance with me, my ragtime queen, before I set you free. On lonely days, But she doesn't like, she doesn't connect that she's doing this. She's just like, I don't want to talk to them right now. I'm going to hide. 
And yeah. like, it's obvious where it's going. But then, like, like you can see her having these emotions and ha- being frustrated with other people and feeling dejected by other people, but still, like, she's the most consistently, like, trying to be the best of herself. Like, she doesn't get distracted from that. The, uh, I think that she goes a little bit too far in, uh, well, I mean, it is her flaw. She, she is the, she is prescribed den mother. That is the, what the creators say about her. Mm-hmm. And she goes a little too far out of her way to make sure nobody hates her in a way that, and that can often lead to that fatal flaw of, if I'm trying to make everybody happy, that's it's like, gonna be frustrating. there's mutually exclusive propositions that need to be fulfilled. And it's just going <laughs> to, like, it, there was an episode where, uh, they, where Boober wanted a giant radish that the Gorg fell in love with. I don't mm-hmm. remember. Like, it was just like a whole thing. And so she was trying to trick the Gorg to go look for something else. And then when the Gorg came back, he was inconsolable. And Moki had to be like, oh, I now need to get this radish back for the Gorg. And I also need to not take the radish away from Boober. Like, very clearly, like, the need to keep everyone happy is that's a proposition of failure and if she just didn't lie in order to protect people's feelings it would have uh it would the, the problem never would have arisen yeah i mean she's a little wemblish i i not not wemblish i think that <laughs> the thing that we were talking about with red with you know how can i be true to myself and also account for other people i think that she is the other side of that spectrum whereas she first accounts for other people and never kind of cares never kind of stands up for herself a little bit. Yeah, I I think part of the trying to please everyone comes from that high conscientiousness, that idea of like, if I do a good job, that means I'm a good person. Yes. Uh, that sort of that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I relate to that very highly because that's where I score the highest. Um, yeah. Uh, um, but I, I like the sort of slow, methodical way that she looks at the world and the questioning that she does of the, you know, absurd society they live in. She's like, well, why do we eat? the towers that they make you know why why do the dozers all work and we all play what what's what's going on here like she's trying to make sense of it uh in a very methodical way oh i think she makes tries to make sense of it in a very emotional kind of spiritual way whereas gobo makes sense of it in a a very like point a to point b connect the dots map up map out the facts kind of way yeah scientist versus engineer they're, they're two different, like, methods for ex- how do we explain our place in the universe, and hers is much more emotional, and his is much more hard facts. Yeah, yeah, it's and, which I a do big like. picture versus the immediate problem. Mm-hmm. The, like, this is, if if Moki is the commanding officer, Gobo is her XO. <laughs> okay. Right? Or you mean did I get CO? CO. XO is a kiss and a hug. No, XO is a... XO, I think XO actually does mean commanding officer, executive officer. I can't remember. I don't. I'm, I wasn't it's in the military. It's a kiss and a hug. I, I'm, and I'm basically going off. Like I'm basically going off of Battle, Battlestar Galactica and the boys. <laughs> yeah, the, I th- the I only think... things I remember. <laughs> um, I, I think my big takeaway with Moki is if you take her away, the dynamic shifts in a direction that I don't like. Whereas if you take Red away, I think it's more or less fine. I think that they balance each other in terms of energetic. Mm-hmm. I think Moki needs to be there to kind of bring the bring the calm, and uh, not not in a Final Fantasy X kind of way, but you know, um, never mind. <laughs> where where they just called the good thing calm and the bad thing sin because they were done with metaphors, <laughs> more or less. 
<laughs> we, we spent all our money on Waka <laughs> and this absurd sport that shouldn't exist. We've <laughs> developed our entire society around underwater football. I mean, it's pretty entertaining football. I, like, I, want, I would want to play Blitzball. Uh, Seems hard. You got to breathe underwater, and that's just the beginning. <laughs> but I think Moki is a necessary balance. And yeah. for that, I, I I think she's good. Um, we we should get to the probably the my favorite. Of yes, the, the fifth five. personality trait: neuroticism. Yeah, this is pretty much. I mean, this strikes me as a piglet slash Eeyore kind of thing. Like he's so fatalistic, <laughs> and, and we call him Boober. He's he's pretty great, and this is the one uh, played by Dave Goals, who, by his own admission, is a pretty neurotic, depressive sort, and mm-hmm. so that's why it was created for him. I love his defeatist attitude. <laughs> I so uh, in the um, in the episode where Moki fakes her own death, and um, I, I'm just reading my notes here and remembering that like she makes a puppet that looks like herself, and then she sings to it and dances with it and kind of flirts with it. <laughs> um, so I really like that. But um, they're talking about like oh the trap around the exit to the gorg patch means we can't get radishes and they're like if we can't get radishes we'll die and then somebody says if if we can't get to the trash heap we won't have her wisdom and then boober says we'll die and we won't even know why (laughs) (laughs) i i like that there's a there's a part in the i think the first episode where gobo says what should we do and boober's immediate reaction is with such confidence we should crawl under the cupboard and moan and whimper (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like a ball rolls into the cave and he's like it's, it's a hideous, hideous round, round thing, thing. <laughs> just like just the most negative way to interpret any data yeah <laughs> yeah he's constantly like he's a constant doomsayer for their whole society yeah this must be bad because it's not laundry <laughs> it, this must be bad because i don't know exactly what it is yeah it therefore it could death. be bad yeah <laughs> it means death like everybody else is generally cheerful, and he is just—he's waiting for the world to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like his model as well because whereas some of them have like big old eyes, and some of them have like half-closed eyes, he doesn't seem to have eyes. He just no. has like a mop of hair and a hat. <laughs> yeah, he's got a nice hipster hat. Um, and he's—he's he's very sarcastic. Yeah, I—I I, I mean, like he—he's a very necessary rounding. Out. Like everybody else is positive in different ways. And he's just all negative. <laughs> and it's so funny to, like, have this, I don't know, symbol of negativity. Like, this this animate you... <laughs> concern and ner- neurosis just you walking look... around the friendliest society on Earth. Like, how yeah, did you... he happen? Yeah, you look around at all these happy, glowing people and, like, how? It's it's like a angry Smurf. It's like... Um, yes. It's like in Hamtaro. Who was the... Was there a Nazi hamster? Or did we make that up? I, no, I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> we had Boss, but we loved Boss. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And so you you always need this sort of counterbalance because sometimes you know sometimes you have to be pessimistic to be realistic about what's going to happen next. But then you also need to have the bravery to take care of the results of it. I I actually found that his neurosis was more often than not, almost all of the time, it was too exaggerated and he was freaking out about something that didn't need to be freaked out about. Mm -hmm. And in my grand unifying theory of this is a post-work society, 
neurosis is not a necessary function necessarily. Right. That it's like a vestigial that, trait. Exactly. It's like your appendix. Which hmm. isn't to say that he doesn't have a place, it's just that his function doesn't map onto that society very well. I, I like I would be kind of surprised if he didn't kind of create an under rock. <laughs> like like an underdark for fraggle kind to like go and map up out a place where problems did exist so that he could have a function. So that he can worry about them. I think yeah. I think he's having a fine enough time worrying about them on his own. But he is clearly making up the things to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of it's just because he gets his own in his own head. One of the uh only episodes I remembered from watching as a kid was when he's like, I want to become more brave, and he goes to the trash heap, and the trash heap sings this song about how, well, if you want to be brave, the trick is you have to wear a hat. You know, Marjorie, that makes a lot of sense. It does? No, but we'll sell it for you. Hit it, Gunge. Well, you can go take a bath. Figure out math. Eat a doze a tower on the garden path. But you can't do that. Marjorie. No, 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 you can't do that. Oh, me, mama. No, you can't do any of that. Ooh, without a hat. In sort really? of the, like, in sort of the wisdom that is always wrong, <laughs> but works out. Yeah. He's like, but I'm, but I'm wearing a hat. I always wear a hat. And she's like, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, brave kind of, now. Kind of like a Dumbo magic feather kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, he, when the chips are down, he can do brave things. And a lot of his arcs are like, oh, I have to do the thing. And I'm the only one who can do the thing. But I really don't want to do the thing. And I'm going to complain the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... I, I mean, like, not no small part because of his voice. Uh, his voice, his voice actor is is so perfectly tuned. He wound up being one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, the other person that Dave Gold's voices, I think we should mention, Uncle Traveling Matt. Uh, who he's no Snufkin, but he's close. He is. He's a real something. So he's dressed up as like a safari guy with like instead of a shirt, he's got like a weird puff cravat. Yes. And he and a kick and mustache. A, a kicking mus- wild mustache. I believe when they're that long, they're mustache. Perhaps. Um, and he explores he, outer. He's an astronaut. Yeah, so he, he explores goes out outer into space, the world, quote unquote. And he misunderstands absolutely everything. It's so good. This is a masterclass in anthropomorphic thinking and like motivated thinking. Like, oh, you know. I did this thing and it started raining. It's raining because I did that thing. Yeah. The thing I did has agency. <laughs> he, he is a walking laundry list of logical fallacies. <laughs> yes. And, and, and not only that, like the context of what he's doing is completely lost in his messages to Gobo. So once an episode, so Gobo good. reads his postcard and like we see what's happening. We're like, oh, he's an idiot right like just he doesn't know what's going on in our world but to gobo it's like oh my god these silly creatures are truly silly truly silly. they call the human silly creatures which is very funny to me (laughs) and uh in the final episode when uh gobo talks to doc the the engineer and he's like well we we call you silly creatures and he's like you know that's a very good name for it (laughs) (laughs) i uh the okay so to unpack Traveling Matt a little bit, what he does in his Postcards to Gobo, which I think are very widely but sparingly used. Once an episode, we read a postcard. It's a nice kind of break or 
uh, like a breath mint to kind of cleanse the palate and get us ready for the next bit of like, it. It's almost like a, a comic style quickie or even like a short intermission or commercial break. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, sometimes I it can very good. sometimes it can give perspective on what's happening. So in an episode where Wembley's trying to be uh, more uh, decisive, it, he becomes inflexible and rigid. And that's the one where Uncle Traveling Matt finds these statues and thinks they're people. And he's like, you know, sometimes it's good to stick to where you're at, but also sometimes you need to be flexible. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost exactly like that. It, it relates to the situation at hand, but not perfectly, and without kind of a message, mm-hmm. um, or without like a clear "this thing is good and this thing is bad." For, for when they when he was like watching people flying kites or something, I think the <laughs> the, the the I think the message was like. Wembley was a slave to the Gorgs, and I think that like Uncle Matt's like the the kite. I, I I freed one of them from their silly creature captors, but the kite obediently waited on the ground for the for the <laughs> for, for its captor to come back. Like maybe some maybe some creatures like being controlled, like very Lokian sort of like are is this not your natural state? Sort of yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, I don't think the message is pro slavery, but it's hard to parse. <laughs> yeah, there shouldn't there really shouldn't be any questions about this. <laughs> <laughs> but but I what you were saying about how it's like commonly misunderstood. There was one episode that we did a long time ago where you were describing doing laundry as first separate the items into piles you might need to distinguish between these items according their to properties. their feature by their properties and it uh-huh. like you don't know what you're doing until you actually have the context for these very ambiguous verbs yeah so i i would like to if i may give you verbatim one of uncle traveling matt's uh oh and i have tirades. to guess what it is <laughs> uh i think it'll be pretty it'll be pretty clear i'll you know i'll try to redact it so that it's not <laughs> obvious okay <laughs> Going to do on screen, yes. <laughs> oh, like oh, that's the that's the uh, intro we should have done. Is like he's a spy and he's sending back messages. Oh about my what god, this is very confusing. <laughs> in a time of peace, in a post war society where all the countries are working together, espionage becomes more important than anything. <laughs> hmm, because something's gone going to go wrong, and you got to be ready because Boomer's gonna, in yeah. charge now. Oh god. Um. So anyway, here here's Uncle, one of Uncle Traveling Matt's things. I encountered several silly creatures with white legs who were being waited on by other silly creatures. These lucky creatures acquire white legs through some form of through some form of uh through some form of brave of of uh, bravery exhibition. Many try to get one, but only a few are chosen. He is talking about skiing, Zane. Oh, okay. <laughs> you get white leg, he, like the part where I couldn't figure out what to call it. It's he he called it skiing, but yeah, you get a white leg, you break your leg on the slopes, and then you're waited on by other people who like bring you hot chocolate and shit. Oh, weird, right? Yeah, I did not connect. How that. could like, you? Are they trying on shoes? Are they right? How could you? There's no way to connect those dots unless you're looking at what, and it it makes the person watching it feels so smart and it also like reinforces that idea of like you have to understand other cultures like reading about them in a book is not the same as going and seeing them for yourself absolutely uh he's not a snuffkin where he's like a folk hero wandering from town to town in a no he's just he's just this strange man that everyone's like Oh, that's weird. All I right. Think I think he's more like Don Quixote than anything else. <laughs> yeah, just give him space. I don't like, know. He's rife with ego <laughs> issues. He's living in his own world, and 
you know, it makes him ill-suited to every society that he tries to put himself in. And on the rare <laughs> occasions that he comes back, he's not good at fraggling either. Oh, man. To be a fraggle but not know how? Yeah. I, like, I have no mouth. Yeah, I have no puppeteer, but I must scream. Yeah, I went I went out. It's the hero's journey. I went out on this adventure. I came back to my provincial town. I can't be here anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the same place. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can't go home again. He's He can actually, if you wanted to read him as a pretty tragic character, you could. Yeah, but he wouldn't know. No, and that that's what makes he, Don Quixote he he's so having easy a wonderful to time. deal with for the <laughs> yeah, most part. Yeah, he's a modern Don Quixote. It, it feels like that to me. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I think that he's the strongest example of that whole post-work you know, even if your needs are met, maybe you're, maybe you're not content. Maybe your spiritual needs also need to be met, and this is one example of a society for whom that does not work. Yeah, yeah. Like your society has tried to tamp down the urge to explore, but you got you got to go. Yeah, it, it's very much. Also, an your name is Traveling Matt, and so I mean, you gotta- <laughs> I, think, I, I think that he probably chose that name. Well, that's another thing because like Matt is a normal human name. Oh, so he like he's trying to blend. I think he served like a tour of duty in the human world, and now he's going back to travel. <laughs> oh, okay. And he took on one of their like that. Like he's got some dog tags or whatever. Like that was sure. his nickname, like Tex. You know, he's just... yeah. He 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 met the love of his life overseas, <laughs> and uh, it was a and... mop. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move into the gorg. My dear, you're crying. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we we um, the gorgs are. Oof. Hey, These oh guys are really strange. This is a, this is an issue. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's like a family of Roseannes, and they're just deluded into thinking that they're more important than they are. Yeah, and like, sometimes I feel bad for them because their only goals in life are to be happy and successful and to catch that fwaggle. But yeah. by definition, the show cannot have any of those things be true. Me- meeting up with the, like, kind of... Uh, measure tr- trying to measure up to the what, what keeping up with the joneses that's what the the, the trope is right yeah Where you're, you're trying to be better than the other guy it yeah. doesn't really like kind of a life with louis his dad situation is like he, he doesn't really care that his he, he, he doesn't need to be good he just needs to be better than the other family on the yeah, block which rough, we don't see we don't see anyone else rough economic times you actually spend more on frivolities just to prove to yourself that you're doing okay yeah on on impressions and you know oh the crop's not coming in great i must be the king of the time, universe time this to buy is, a new car <laughs> this is yeah. the logic um, right. but we mostly spend time with their son junior who like, what is his reason for wanting to catch Fraggles? Because he feels bad when he thinks he kills them. So, in the cosmology, uh, Fraggles are kind of pests in that they steal their radishes. He's right. trying to solve that problem. Meanwhile, his parents are doing some very complex, like, royal court foreplay, roleplay kind of situation. And yeah. he, <laughs> with him as their, like, son and, like, heir... I, I don't know. I kind of saw him trying to catch fra- Fraggles as chafing at the role play, where like his parents are concerned with dumb shit that doesn't matter, and he's trying to actually solve a problem. Yeah, I'm the exterminator. It doesn't matter that my dad's the king, right? Someone um, got to someone's got to clean the toilets. And I don't like the the episodes where like they get captured or something are interesting from a dynamic and story structure. Like I think those work very well because. 
these these gorgs are huge compared to the fraggles like they're menacing because of their size and the fact that they're different but also they're comedic because of the way they look and act they're so um, derpy they're they're really derpy looking they but, go out of their way to make them stumble a lot it's pretty great but they they their goal they they want to like capture the fraggles as like slaves or as pets which is a grim fr- grim fate for the freedom loving fraggles but like mm-hmm. the the episodes where they have a lot of interactions with the gorgs for me, work less because I think the visual style of combining those two where you have the little puppets in real size compared to these big things uh, works a lot less well than being up close and personal with the much more articulatable puppets. Yeah, yeah. I, I see them sort of like sort of the old guard in that like they, they, they are living in an antiquated time that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Almost. So like in, in our fraggle free like uh, work-free society, um, their their role doesn't make sense anymore. So they're trying to put on airs and keep a measure of importance, even though by Fraggle standards, everyone should be equal, kind of communism sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Different ways of living. I Their family seems to me like a strange inversion of Calvin and Hobbes' core family. Because uh. the, the parents are in a fantasy land as opposed to their son being in a fantasy land. And the, the son is much more grounded... His motive's more possible. Like, he, he's trying to do, I don't know, reasonable. His actions are reasonable within his own frame of mind, but, like, the, his parents' actions are totally indefensible. Mm-hmm. I, I like the Gorgs in theory. It's just the that that uh, animation mismatch really throws me in a way I don't like. Yeah, and they're kind of, you know, they are derpy, but they're also pretty menacing. Like, Junior's... Like his his lids going from kind of half closed to open is very much a oh shit the enemy has seen me in a video game yeah like my st- my stealth meter is red <laughs> and the way he like jiggles around as he moves uh, like he's not contained like he can crush you by accident yeah he's just um, and he, like his hair is all messy he <laughs> yeah he he's he's I I honestly think that he's pretty menacing mm-hmm. which I. At least I did as a kid. It feels less so now that I very clearly can only see him as a bad Adam Sandler character. <laughs> so the, the last kind of faction that I feel are necessary to point out are Doc, uh, who is played by Gerard Parks, and Sprocket. Uh, I think also played by uh, the the voice actor for Wembley. I, I Doc is a lot meaner than I remember him being. Meaner? How how so? He's constantly yelling and, like, blaming the dog, and, like, he sometimes tries to, like, reinvent himself with, like, I'm going to be a sportsman, or I'm yeah. going to think positive. And this will like, put Pickles he, toys on the map. When I, when I was a kid, he was kind of funny because he was very over the top and, like, a person, but, like, he's just kind of sad now. <laughs> I, I really didn't see him that way. I, I saw him very much as he's living his best life. Hmm. You know, I, and I think the... The old tinkerer who is unconcerned with the whims of, like, the expectations of society is a good, is kind of a free spirit sort of uh, corollary to Fraggle society. Like, he is, I think, Uncle Traveling Matt, where society expects him to do a thing, and he does what he wants. But society also allows for that. Like, Fraggles would rather just play and sing songs all day. But they don't question that Uncle Traveling... They, they don't try to put him in their framework. And in the mm-hmm. same way, the human world doesn't mind that he is just 
tinkering. He's just enjoying his his workspace and his dog, and that's his life, and they they are okay with that. I can see that. Um, I read it much more as like, oh, he doesn't get along great in society, but like that's a that's more of a defense mechanism for like. You know, he doesn't know how to make very good friends and he, you know, his, he doesn't really have a business, so to speak. Like things are just kind of like, eh, and he's kind of like, as a defense mechanism saying like, no, I'm, I'm a reclusive hermit and it's a cool thing to be and I'm going to just do my own thing. I don't know. It's, I would disagree. (laughs) I would disagree if he articulated as sad, but to me, he just, you know, this is something I'm kind of struggling with now as I'm trying to figure out whether or not like what kind of life I want to lead, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and without getting too personal, uh, there's, you know, the, the notion that some, that when you come to, you know, kind of, uh, late twenties, early thirties, people start asking you questions like, Oh, when are you going to get a house? Oh, when are you going to have kids? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's some people whom, and this is a stronger movement as of late where they're like, I'm okay with not, you know, fitting the suburb mold lifestyle that my parents had, why are you so intent on getting me to follow that goal? Right. I and mean... I, and, <laughs> and it's easy to read that person as kind of sad and like, oh, they must be so lonely or, or you know, they, they must be deluding themselves. Right. But I, th- I think that's the wrong approach to take. I think the approach to take is to accept that not everyone really wants to fit into the normal mold that society has and that these fringe groups should not be pitied. They should be, again, understood. You should go out of your way to try to understand them. Oh, no, I agree. I just thought in this case that wasn't how it worked. And also I know, like, you know, some people in the real world uh, who aren't following, like, life's unspoken trajectory of how things quote unquote should be uh sometimes that is also a defensive mechanism of saying like well i don't want to Uh, i'm not saying that it always is but like it happens enough that i can see this as being sad and i didn't want to see it as sad i couldn't help but see it as sad and maybe that maybe that's my own like cultural like boxing in that i'm not open enough to it (laughs) to to be frank i think you have an immediate mistrust of people who do not straighten up and fly right (laughs) well no it i don't trust people who prefer to be alone (laughs) wow (laughs) it's very confusing to me like also i'm like kind of scared of old people like, <laughs> well, okay. I mean, like, that I, I, I'm willing to say that at that territory, you're absolutely stepping into personal bias. I did not have just, a problem. Seeing I didn't him see as him a, as happy. I, he, I just saw him as a content loner. Okay, you know, and he has a he has a friend in the in the finale. He goes and you know moves with Ned Schimmelfinney, which is a very funny name. He has said on many occasions he hates Ned. He, they're they're mortal enemies. They're kind of frenemies. They're like yeah. rivals. I almost saw them as. Yeah, we we know a lot about this person who never shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He probably he has a cat. He probably tinkers as well. There's probably a bunch of graggles in his wall. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I bet it's I bet it's a, you know, I, I bet it's a. You know, uh, my, my, he, he's my exact identical twin in France, and so he's me but has a mustache sort of situation. <laughs> you really got to watch the, the latest season of The Flash, because they actually do <laughs> oh, that. Oh, God. I don't the, want to see where, that. Where Tom Cavanaugh, great guy, uh, he, he plays a version, <laughs> a different version of himself every season, and this season he's French. What does that mean? <laughs> so to round out the characters, the, just to finish up, we have Sprocket the dog, who I 
love that the fraggles all call him the beast because it gives it this kind of like air of this is a thing outside our reality as as anything from outer space should be mm-hmm. but like the gorgs are just gorgs this is something other yeah this is not uh this wasn't here when we moved in yeah um, this is this mold has grown um yeah and you know because he's a cute like I mean, he's a puppet, but, like, he's just a cute little dog. Like, the fact that he's the beast, it's like imagining a Cerberus as, like, three corgis tied together. <laughs> like, it's kind of just... Oh, yeah, man, oh, I want to see that. Oh, it's the beast. Have you ever seen that, uh... Have you ever seen that Venn diagram with, uh... It's like a, th- it's a three-way... Like, each of the circles is dog, 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 and in the middle it says Cerberus. I love it. It's such a dumb joke that I just laughed about for a, way longer than it deserved but yeah I, I like sprocket quite a bit i think his mannerisms in, in interacting with a real human person are funny and distinct from the mannerisms mm-hmm. of puppets acting with each other yeah it's neat to see different types of puppets mm-hmm. that register mixing is really special in a way that kind of reminds me of who framed roger rabbit mm-hmm. yeah sprocket with doc and sprocket with fraggles is kind of the only different type of puppet connection that i that He's i think is good it, yeah. it works in the way that it doesn't work for me when they interact with the Gorgs. Sure. I, I, Which, I like, think that I agree. <laughs> in that final episode when he, like, meets and talks with Gobo, imagine if then he, like, saw the trash. Like, they, they mentioned the trash heap. And he's like, excuse me? But imagine if he, like, went and saw the Gorgs and they're like, you know, they got a couple feet on him and they're like these big things. And they're like... Oh boy, this is, <laughs> this is a, yeah. This is what a monster looks like. Is, although he could probably come up with some good inventions for them. He could probably come up with a musket that he probably <laughs> like a scrap musket. Oh, I see. You have a uh, you have an infestation. Yeah, I can help you, little friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I think that's most of the important characters. I think I want to get into tone and genre. Mm. And, you know, we, we've said it before, but just to underline it, it's a show about peace and interconnectedness for different cultures. Mm-hmm. And that's according to the creators. That, that is their mission statement. Um, the Gorgs, Doc and Sprocket, Fraggles, they all in- influence each other's worlds in different ways. And none of their differences are unassailably large. It's just a matter of being able to talk about it that is confounding them. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. message is very powerful. They're all just trying to have a good life, and so the times when there is uh, tension or discord between their peoples is usually, like you say, a result of misunderstanding or sometimes like, oh, culturally we want this and you want this. We need to find some sort of uh, agreement, and in practice they don't always like find something that works for everyone. A lot of the times it's like, well, they didn't kill us today. And they still have enough radishes for them to survive, so we're going to call this a win. It, it's also sort of a straw man argument to phrase global politics in a, why Why can't people just meet in the middle? You yeah, know, just it, be good people. This shouldn't be hard. It, like, right, and that's such a clear straw man argument that like, so I, I don't think I feel the need to point it out. But obviously, this is because we are trying to talk to kids. We are trying <laughs> to tell them, you know, we're not we're not really focusing on the fact that like, well, you know, this country had no help but to defend this land that they, you know, annexed from another people. Like, there's, there's nothing more complex than uh, our spaces are coinciding in a way that we did not immediately understand and we need to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that works. You know, yeah, it's... it just shouldn't not be taken so literally. That, that's no. all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I like when that the walls are broken down, everyone benefits. 
You know, oh, like mm-hmm. at first the the beast and the gorgs are a source of menace, but on the rare occasions that the gorg like talks to Moki and Moki understands them and and you know tries to give Junior advice or something, uh, no one's no one's missing out, no one's losing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like in the case of the trash heap, like oh, this is an other. Uh, it lives in a different place from us, but we can go to it and, and learn things. And it's just because it's not so much other like the Gorgs are. Mm-hmm. Like, like you get the feeling like that that the size difference is really because they look so different. That is what is causing them to be a source of terror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is the, uh, which is cogent to our current politics. And the Doozers and the Fraggles like live in they occupy the same space. They live in the same territory, but their needs are. A lot less uh, at each other's expense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And, and symbiosis, really. Um, I also generally liked the, the the major theme of a lot of episodes, which was you know that trying to improve yourself without betraying who you are. Yeah. Um, and then also sometimes just weird stuff happens. Like um, what? Uh, like one time, this character came into town with a bunch of backup singers. This is convincing John. Oh, that's right. P.T. Barnum. Yeah, well, he can convince anyone of anything. Okay. (laughs) Like, it was just kind of... It was kind of weird to to see, like, this Fraggle who's not from around here, but what else... Where else are there? I, yeah, it, it's it's kind of tricky because I like the tunnels. Mm-hmm. I like the tunnels themselves. Uh, I don't really like the things that they find at the end of the tunnels, but I love that they're able to explore them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I, like it, it, more in the journey than the destination on that one. I do like they'll just go into a random side passage and like some puppet thing we've never seen before will yeah. jump out of a wall, and it's like, okay, wow, yeah, they built a puppet and didn't know what to use it for. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> local ecology. Yeah. No, but that that's really cool, mm-hmm. and you know it, that 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 kind of bleeds into another kind of point of the of the tone is that um, the fact that the there are only a few locations makes the tunnels seem all the more strange and wild. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there are a few set locations. There's you know Fraggle Hub. There's Gorg Garden. There's Doc's Shed. That's kind of it, and then just infinite tunnels, and yeah. it makes them seem like. I don't know. Like I, I've been. It's magic. Uh, the, the 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 best part about like exploration games is having that feeling of I don't know what's there, but it feels like it could be anything. That that uh-huh. the feeling of the the whimsy of discovery, mm-hmm. I guess. And you know um, that that I think that there's an undercurrent of like adventure and mm-hmm. and progress throughout the show i i have a sense of the space of fraggle rock i have a mental map in my head of like you said those different regions and even different parts of the fraggle rock itself but then there's also a lot of wiggle room in there and you, like you say the caves are just it's a world right yeah and and to that point the fraggles are always dealing with a new part of the cave like they're always exploring and 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 it kind of gobo the main adventurer character kind of makes it his purpose to explore these tunnels as best he can Mm -hmm. and they like i always was really interested in the bits of lore that they managed to dig up like they go to the crystal caverns in one episode they go to something called the terrible tunnel which everyone knows about but no one knows exactly where it is it's like folklore (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> oh, like every know, the, bit the I the learned big, about this, the I was way into. in the center of town that no one can go into or even speak about, but, like, uh-huh. there's a guardrail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we put up a sign. Yeah, what, what, what more do you want? There's a social convention here that everyone's following. <laughs> Except when they don't. Uh. And, and, yeah, I, I just, I like the... I like that everybody doesn't have to interact with this way, but they inevitably end up in a new part of town that requires some moments consideration. It's like, oh, this is a new different thing. Mm-hmm. It felt very to me like the human spirit of because it's there, you know, that like we don't really, and it's, it's clear with Gobo than anyone else. Like, even though our needs are met, we still feel the need to kind of reach for the stars. I think part of, the familiarity yet endless expanse of this comes out of the fact that it is uh, puppets. Because you are limited to the, like, relative space that any biome can take up. So these caves feel very, like, kind of of claustrophobic at times because they need to be backdrops to a scene. But also there's, like, these pockets that open up, just like a a real cave. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, like, the shape of, like... If you think of what a cavern should look like, it's kind of arbitrary in the way that things can jut out and all that stuff. But it's consistent because these are physical sets they made and not drawings that they have to keep recreating. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it just it builds this nice cohesion that that works in a way that if you were trying to just draw it every time, uh, either something would be different or they would not have that irregularity and crampedness that they have to have just by virtue of the fact that we're working with models. Yeah, I, I love how cramped it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that maybe is a good time to lead into animation. These these are some advanced special effects. Like yeah, tell effects. me about this. So, you know, normally what we're seeing is, um, you know, waist up, right? These are these are hand puppets. They've right. got hands that are operated by sticks, and sometimes you can see the sticks, and it's very charming. Yeah, I don't mind. I'm okay um, with seeing the boom mic. And then sometimes, like, oh, well, we need to see the whole fraggle. And so they have, you can see the legs. You can see Mm -hmm. them, you know, lying down, and their legs are there. And they have, like, their little little salamander legs. Their little stick things to control those as well. Um, When we zoom out for, like, a gorg scene, they are, like, these individual small creatures that, like, they articulate in a way that's kind of hard for me to be okay with. (laughs) What do you mean? just much, just like, you know how, like, stick figures can be very jarring and, and not have enough, um, you know, not have enough frames, so to speak. These were much more jarring yeah. than they normally are because they're not iterated by hands. They're iterated by, like, long strings or long rods. Sure. It's um, kind of that register mixing thing. It made, it feel like, made it feel a little Shadow of the Colossus. Like, mm-hmm. the things that are small just move way quicker by the larger character's estimation. And the large character in that circumstance is the thing that is moving, quote-unquote, like a normal puppet. Mm-hmm. So, naturally, all the littler puppets are going to seem like they move much faster. I actually did, kind of liked that register mixing. That kind mm. of worked on me. It. I, I noticed the cracks at the seams more than I used to. Okay. Um, when, when I, I like most of the time when we're just in Fraggle Town, we're seeing Fraggles. You know, it works when they go see the trash heap because they can still do that, like, waste up stuff. And also the trash heap moves in a way that is consistent because it's still puppets on, like, you know, moving them on sticks and mostly moving just up and down, kind of. They're, they're not moving around in the same way. Right. Um, 
I think that works much better than the, the like you say, the register mixing. There is one thing that I never noticed before that is kind of impressive in how hard it is to catch. Okay. When they are doing a fraggle moving toward the camera from a cave into a connecting passageway into a new cave, mm-hmm. that is green screen. Is it? It is. It it, it looks seamless because yeah, you that's... see them all dancing, but you can tell kind of that like just by the way that the like there's like a shimmer or a hover around the central fraggle that's moving. The background is clearly not part of where they are. That's amazing. I I, I would never have thought like I, it. I'm I'm pretty good at seeing green screen now, and I it didn't. It's it so didn't polished to me. Yeah, you got to be looking for it. And I, yeah. they might have had a different way of doing it that has a similar effect. But to me, I was like, oh, yeah, that's just slightly off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. That's, that's, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And like, you think about all the things they do, like, uh, you know, if they jump into the water, well, those models probably should not get wet. So they have like, <laughs> they have to have some sort of fix for that. You know, there's smoke machines, there's, right. There's choreographed dance numbers. There's, there. I really having, love the the way they Gobo move. play a ukulele that's <laughs> in a amazing. way that is convincing. Yeah, I love I love when any of them like interact with objects that are not also fraggles. Like yeah. they can pull each other's tail and stuff, and that's kind of that's that's okay. I think that it's very funny when they physically interact with props because mm-hmm. uh, you know Wembley will play his bongos or something, and you know they they have it's it's very clear that there's foley going on that it's is not jarring. expressed by the by the bongo yeah there's like a there's a separation there between the actual jer- like jerky motion of a hand hitting another thing and, and also the, like the and force the, that it provides in the volume yeah it's but for it's a wind instrument like a harmonica it's a bit more seamless i i thought it was always pretty obvious but it not in a way i disliked speaking of their dance numbers i think that this is like a really good kids programming thing. Um, and this is also bleeding into music a little bit, which is that uh, during the dance m- numbers, they always do the work of having them kind of bounce up and down and to the side in in time with the music. Yeah, they're which constantly is, moving. If you are doing a kids sing-along show, you want to make them feel it. And uh-huh. this is one way you do it. Another way is that they have a huge emphasis on percussive instruments. Mm-hmm. To the to like a, to such a degree that the immortal theme song has that those two claps in it, and it sort of felt like a <laughs> iconic framework that they built around is how can we make this nice and percussive because that's how we can get kids to kind of clap along. Yeah, it's 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 for everyone. It's for the viewers watching at home, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just as we're leaving animation, I do want sure. to say like the the care and nuance of these puppets. And these effects, like anyone who's stuck your hand up a sock puppet and knows the limited bits, the limited ways that you can move, like this is the top of any puppet game. It's amazing. There, there are a couple small considerations that just add, breathe so much life into these puppets that you would take for granted if you didn't see bullshit in other puppet media. Yeah. Jeff for Dunham, example, get out of here. For example, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you've, you've been overrun before your time. They, 
there's a couple of different things I like. The eyelid consideration is a masterful touch. Mm -hmm. Do you remember in Star Trek, the animated series, we were like, they put a lot of effort into making the eyes open and close and like blink and, and, you know, (laughs) eyebrows raising motions Mm -hmm. because that adds a lot of personality. Yeah. That's, that's what you are interacting with windows of the soul and all that. So when, you know, when Boober, or not when Boober, he doesn't have eyes, but when Moki goes from having those, like, half-lids to entirely wide-eyed, or when the Gorg goes from going half-lids to, oh, I found a fraggle, it is like... Yeah, when the the Gorg wakes up and the universe ends, because we are not but a dream. Yes, he closes the (laughs) door on his way out, yes. Uh, When that happens, it is a... It, it is an established feeling of tension that has just come into play. Mm-hmm. And having an having a visual cue for that is very useful. And it gets me right into it. The other thing that I love is whenever the fraggles tremble. <laughs> first, that is so good. When, when they get scared, which usually happens to either Wembley or Boober, and they just do like that little shake thing, uh-huh. which must be so fun to, you know, be the puppeteer on that. That's great. <laughs> and just like vibrating back and forth with terror <laughs> and like those big bug eyes that like everything about them expresses i am shocked and scared <laughs> uh so um getting into those songs um yeah we, the music is great we usually have a few per episode which is a hard thing to do consistently you know we talked about on Phine- phineas and ferb some like the quality varied to a large degree just because it's so hard to put that out consistently i i also thought that it was a it was a difference in standards for musical interludes Mm -hmm. the musical interludes in phineas and ferb minute and a half yeah they these were big these these over the top broadway shows the musical interludes in this are the same kind of fraggle society that we've already been looking with but now they're dancing and singing which one is like a really good indication of what their society is like because they don't break the fourth wall into doing like this weird dancing in a void ipod ad thing that yeah, and, and ferb would do and now there's a song yes it it's <laughs> it is consistent it's a it's a diegetic part of their world that they're singing and dancing and having them smoothly transition from just walking and talking to singing and dancing really yeah. sells that image i i get the sense from the way that the music works here that like their band was jamming around for a while and somebody improvised vocals and then yeah. they just workshopped it for a while i can't imagine a different process for this sort of output and it's so fun and very you get the feeling like they really played around in the in the in the in the possibility space with the music here mm-hmm. different genres and different styles and different uh even yeah, let, like let me bring a couple of different genres up like there's uh i do re- really love the bilbo style like <laughs> little ditty that gobo and traveling matt do at the beginning but yeah, like wholesome walking music wholesome wa- yeah just walking around music but they, Send me I, away. there was a good two four drum and fife soldier thing when they go to rescue wembley in a different episode it's time to rescue Mm-hmm. Um, and it's there's there's a, like I've heard I heard an R and B kind of rock and robin sort of style thing. Yep. Uh, I I heard the like some background synth for Traveling Matt, which is the delightfully like oh that the industrial prog rock for yes. for I'll cut it in like Traveling yeah. Matt's got his own weird late motif that 
Like when you think of how like it's clanging and gassy the Fraggle Rock caves must be, the fact that this is his like like he's bringing this motif with him into the world. Almost, almost, yeah. It's suddenly I saw a second kind of flying creature. When I saw that, I just had to act. I waited for an opening, and then I set about freeing the captive flying things. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Uh, I, I heard a, um, there's like an awesome minor key Hendrix-style guitar thing for a song called Bad News that Boober sings about the reasons to be scared of everything. I, I, I heard ragtime, I heard blues, I heard like a bittersweet kind of alternative ballad kind of thing. It was, they, they, I mean, they just, they they don't, you, you know, in Phineas and Ferb, I know that they tried to ape and parody certain genres, and I thought that while they got the letter of the law, they didn't really appeal to the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. And, and here I feel like they truly inhabit what it's like to represent a different music style through our Fraggle framework. Yeah, because they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they don't know what the current styles are. They've been living under a rock. Yeah, they just do their own Fraggle interpretation of, oh, this is what metal is. And, and the music's not necessarily complicated. I mean, you can, you just need enough to establish a tone. And the lyrics, like the lyrics are cohesive. They're not groundbreaking. It's like, these words sound good together. We don't really care if they make the most sense. Again, in like a Dr. Seuss kind of style. Yeah. The, uh, and, but I found them pretty good. Like there was a one where Wembley became a captive of the Gorgs and he said, I'm going to sing you an old fraggle ballad. And I think the Gorg mom pulled out a harp from somewhere and started like playing <laughs> the song. And, and I can't remember the exact lyrics, but they were something like, wherever I am, I am here. From here to there, wherever I go, I bring here with me everywhere. Or something like, you know, just very, <laughs> very simple. <laughs> and there you go. Like, very simple concepts, mm-hmm. but sung in a... I mean, I think the voice actors were probably in part chosen by the fact that they are, they've are they got some pipes. Yeah. You know, especially Gobo deserves a mention for his singing voice. Yeah, I think, um, the, I think the, the, a different tier than all the rest of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely, Jerry Nelson had I- excellent singing chops, and you know, kind of in the way that uh, in Scrubs, the janitor had like a, <laughs> you know, clearly the uh, the 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 actor for that was able to sing, so they put a scene in for him. It kind of felt like that. Like they 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 knew that Jerry could sing that well, so they gave him a bunch of songs. Mm-hmm. At least that that's how it felt to me. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, this is our focus. This is the person who is most actively finding new things to talk about and look at. Uh, it, it makes sense, but also just it's it's real pleasant on the ears. I might go and check, like, yes. just like I did with Gem and the Holograms, I might go and look and find a, you know, a list of, like, all the songs. The, I mean, there's a lot of them, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I de- definitely went and listened to a few of them, and they are all pretty pretty catchy and just very genial, very pleasant, as you said. Fraggle Rock is a pleasant place to live. It has an element of secret, good-natured magic in in the way that some of the best children's fantasy books do. Mm-hmm. 
is like there's nothing super scary about this it's just wonder that you can have at things that are slightly out of view like in calvin and Hobbes. really i I want to compare it explicitly to some of the other like like otherworldly town kind of shows like the smurfs like hamtaro like the moomins where does this fit in where would you want to live the most because smurfs okay smurfs no good that's you know uh, yeah, work, that's, work, in, work until you die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> There's that's a lot pretty of John here. Galt. I, I don't know if I like that. Um, and then Hamtaro, like... Hamtaro is just a cool clubhouse. Yeah, like, I never just, thought of it aimless. as an actual society. They don't live together. They just hang out. It's an after-school program. Yeah, it's, it's you know, a Hamtaro society, a Hamtaro-style clubhouse is just for your after-school kind of hanging with your buds. This Fraggle society is for life. Yeah, and it's like you're here and you belong to the collective. It's technically more dire than like the Moomins in that like they're constantly talking about, oh my god, they could die. We could die. I'm dying. They're they love talking about death. But <laughs> but Moomins was but more it's grim. Not scary, yeah. They they don't phrase it. It, it when you're talking to kids, it's all about the way you phrase things, not the content of what you're saying. Sure. You know, like a child can handle the concept of death. A, a child can handle the concepts of loss or betrayal. But if you phrase it in a way that doesn't make them scared or sad or, you know, make them cry, they're capable of dealing with it. Mhm. Uh, I'm sorry. I just got a ad on a diff- one of my tabs for Deets Nuts, and I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's, that's a, rough a bummer. One. Um, let me bring you back. Let's talk about this intro song. Yeah, this please. Is fantastic and iconic. It it really is that guitar. When that I mean, we should start from the beginning of it. It's the nice pan into the workshop, and then as we narrow down into that hole in the wall, we. Tiptoeing, we we yeah we uh, that base is tiptoeing toward a discovery again with a theme of discovery in this, and we suddenly get into the wall with this whooshing sound like we are crossing dimensional lines, and then this puppet is like jamming out to some electric guitars. <laughs> yeah, and it just it's it's time to go. It's time to get into it. Yeah. Um, is very excited. They all start singing along together. They do the claps. They're jumping around. Like, it's a good place to be. It's it's worthwhile mentioning the lyrics. Dance your cares away. Worries for another day. Let the music play down in Fraggle Rock. It's felt very much like an Akuna Matata sort of. Don't worry about your problems right now. Just enjoy the things that are supposed to be enjoyed in life. Yeah. This, and this it's is so your front reprieve. and center. This is what everybody knows. Of course. And they should because it's fantastic um and then you know they they say their names very quickly um they jump they're like woohoo whippy yeah the, the yahoo yeah. <laughs> what mario <laughs> hey there mini um i actually also really love the outro remix because it's it, it gets into that same chorus yeah. but it starts a little more um just, a little just farther the, down like, the road. Yeah, a little farther, a little quieter, a little bit of distortion from the bass and guitar. But mostly it's Gobo and Wembley like scatting at each other. Yeah. They're really... <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah, and I got the feeling like they weren't supposed to do that, but they just left it in. <laughs> it really sells the idea that like, you know, you like it kid, you had a day 
you you went to school or whatever you're coming home and you know you want you want to kind of switch modes this is your time to play and enjoy yourself and it gets from the boring adult world that you're so used to and then pushes you whoosh, bow, 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 oh yeah <laughs> it's you know it is very much a leave your cares at the door this is your time to unwind this is perhaps one of the best shows um that we've done for when you are mad at the world and you no longer want to be yeah yeah it come on down very... to fraggle rock it'll put everything in, in perspective yeah it'll give you a positive frame of mind mm-hmm. yeah it, it's a very effective song there's a good reason that it, it's in the same venue of like ducktales theme songs Ooh. everyone remembers it for the right reasons mm-hmm. is it, it gives you that sense of adventure and playfulness that is so indicative of fraggle society it all coheres it does uh let's talk a little bit about the dialogue as well <laughs> which Just like i the- <laughs> you know, i i tried finding kind of cracks in this show and i couldn't the dialogue is also great <laughs> what were some uh, standout mentions because for me it was a lot of um like Oh, Boober's going to say something sarcastic. Moki's going to say something out there. Gobo's going to be Canadian. Like, I, I remember much more the types of things they said rather than any specifics. The There's a lot of taking it the wrong way style jokes that you, like, I would almost describe them to, like, newspaper comic strip sort of jokes where mm-hmm. just you can take it the wrong way. Um, like, uh, Wembley comes in, like, uh, Red swings on a vine and like crashes into gobo's room and wembley comes in and he's like and and trips over her and crashes into something else and he's like did red come in this way and gobo responds sort of that way yeah <laughs> it's very witty i don't know like or when they're reading from traveling matt and they find a word they don't recognize and they're like what does that mean search me and then they find another one later and it's like now it's your turn to search me yeah yeah, I, I like I like and that. Like, like they don't draw a lot of attention to it. It's just this is the way they talk. If you get the double meeting, good for you. <laughs> yeah, bully for you. There's a bit in the it, it's very Staller and Waldorf almost. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like where one of them sets it up and the other one just clubs it over the head. There's a uh, you know, the Gorgs are talking. The dad and uh, Junior and the dad says, "I'm king of the universe. Why won't anyone pay heed?" And then. Junior says, well, if I had any heat, I'd pay it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he knows that he's making a joke. Yeah, he, he gets it. <laughs> you know, it's not complicated humor. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's light and genial, like the rest of the show is. Yeah, it ba- like, It's bouncy, and it doesn't stop you in your tracks. There's an opportunity for joke, and there's no one around here to judge me. That's really as far as it goes, but I, I thought that that was always pretty good. And the fact that they don't try very hard to make a joke, it doesn't fall down in the way that Sheep in the Big City does, where mm-hmm. they're, they explain it like five times just to make sure you understood. Yeah, looking around for approval. It doesn't halt the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, as you said, if you didn't get it, that's just how they talk and it can continue either way. Yeah, it's that nice combination of, like, clearly they put thought into how to do it, but also it looks effortless. Yeah, and and so I, I, again, I tried to find bad things about this show. This is one of my favorite things to do when we do Carton Cast, when we go back to old shows that I remember in some degree and had affection for, is seeing if they held up and finding that, in fact, they're better than I remembered. Yeah, I think so. And for me, like, for me, I do see cracks here and there. I see... 
Well, you know, Wembley's character arc is pretty wanting. Red is not very well developed. Doc is a little sad to me. The way that the animation styles clash sometimes isn't perfect. And sometimes, and really all the time, I just do not see enough of Uncle Traveling Matt. Um, oh, I think the, that he was used sparingly on purpose. Definitely, but I miss him. <laughs> well, I want okay. more. Okay. Um, so, like, yeah, all in all, it's it's really amazing show and that they did it. And, and it looks great and it holds up today. Um, but just the transfer from young kid nostalgia to modern day critical lens, uh, I, can't, I can't ignore those things. Like, they jumped out at me. And a couple of them jumped out at me, too. Maybe not as strongly. Red's personality certainly got on my nerves. I just, I know how to separate that from the from judging the construction of the show and the utility mm-hmm. of those flaws as I saw them. I think it's very valuable that you get different things from the show as you age. Like, I love yeah. Moki so much more now. <laughs> yeah, and I have an appreciation for Gobo's kind of caught-between-two-worlds plight mm-hmm. than, than I did at, at an earlier age. Um, Boober is, of course, just immortally funny. Bo- Boober is eternal. Yeah. Why? Why that name, though? <laughs> I don't know. He, I, it's it's strange because he has a fear of words that have R in it. <laughs> God, that's such an amazing <laughs> character trait. It's that so makes good. No sense. <laughs> yeah, he he's convinced that like in in the terrible tunnel episode, he's convinced that uh, to give you good luck and protect you from danger, you're supposed to tie a knot in your tail. And when we pan back to him. He's tied like 50 knots in his tail, and he's like, what have you done to your tail? It's the least I can do for them. <laughs> oh, I'll never see them again. Like, it's just very woe is me in a very funny way. You you, you play him almost as Ray Romano. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting pretty close. <laughs> I think in the animated series, uh, he's voiced by Rob Paulson. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I definitely remember seeing that. It's a shame that it's not a... A show that I can enjoy, the the animated series, I mean, because I feel like I could if it were aimed not quite so Muppet Babies crowd. Well, the problem with the animated series is that we have something that is better than it in every way and is also the same as it. Let, let, let me touch like on... It's, it's not necessary. It's, it's unneeded. Let me touch it's a, on... It's the remake nobody asked for. <laughs> let me touch on one thing that I wasn't able to articulate and I'm still not sure of it. Maybe you can help me out with this. Why is this good as puppets? Is the puppet part fundamental to the show? And if so, please tell me why that is. I think the answer is yes in a lot of small ways. Um, part of it is just that like that closeness and coziness of the caves. Uh, yeah. If you look at the animated one, like the caves go on forever. Uh, like they're huge open spaces. Um, part of it is the limitations of what they can do. You know, they're not wacky running around all the time. They're hanging out, talking, but they're also very expressive because you can move them in real time. You're not waiting yeah. to draw frames. Like, just a lot of little things that and, really... And also, and also the fact that, like, the puppeteers managing them are not always moving in exact accordance with the script. Like, also their personalities can kind of come through their characters a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, it, it's those a much are kind more... of the rough edges that make a complete character as opposed to a drawing with some personality. It's also one of the advantages of the live action medium is you can iterate more quickly. If an actor has a really good idea and the director is right there and you don't need to send it off to Korea for eight months to get animated, mm-hmm. you can change it. Yeah, that's true. 
That's a good point. It allows them to kind of adapt in real time. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to be consistently true throughout my life. I'm pretty continually impressed by the puppet medium, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it can actually, I don't know where it goes at well, this part point. part of it is definitely because there's kind of only one game in town, and they mastered it, and they've set the bar too high for everyone else. That's the thing, is like, I don't know how you do a puppet without doing a Muppet. Yeah, wow. You know? I don't know if that's you kind even... of, you you get crank anchors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, the, these are your options. Yikes! Pick two. Well, you can also get Team America, I suppose. Yeah, and that's a different kind of. That's a different kind of. That's everything. a little closer to a true marionette. Yeah, if not like a minstrel show for puppet kind. Yeah, you got me there. In the way that Cousin Skeeter also kind of was. Well, yeah, but it wasn't proud of it in the way that <laughs> Team America World Police was. Hmm. God, yeah. they were so proud of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that was their that was their whole gimmick. Said so that, uh, that 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 was you know that is that is the metric that South Park succeeds at shock value, as opposed to good wholesome family fun. Yeah, just what we have here. Yeah, what we got here. I I can't say good enough good things, and like I think it is a specifically appeal to kids sort of style of cartoonsmanship is to make Mm -hmm. it puppets like puppets are very accessible and relatable and even if they're kind of gross puppets like uh like snuffle up i guess or something (sighs) it's still it's still relatable in the way that like an animated monster might not be like you can it's still tactile and it's fuzzy and it's warm and its presence is something that is not jarring in the same way that like something just appearing would be like it it's sort of stumbles in and you can see the dimensions behind it it's just it's just not very it it doesn't affront me in the same way as like a scary cartoon would like things from Mm -hmm. courage the cowardly dog give me the heebie-jeebies in a way that the gorgs never did yeah they heave that jeeb they do hard but i i do think that the puppet medium is very well suited to appealing to kids you know and I, i think that I think that's definitely not an, an original insight, but it's one that I'm surprised hasn't there. There, I'm surprised it has been so pigeonholed into Sesame Street. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, definitely. And I wish that it wasn't. I, I would love for the medium to be able to express itself a little bit differently these days. Yeah, I mean, the internet. I'm sure the internet will provide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. if there is if there is a niche could, artistic expressive medium, the internet will provide. It could go the way of claymation, you know. Oh, yeah, just like a few real masters keep doing it. And then it kind of fades, you know. Mm. And that that's definitely a uh, that's definitely a consequence of the progress of animation as an as a medium in general. And I, I just hope we don't lose this entirely. Hmm. You know, we are getting to the point where computer graphics are allowing us to animate without quote unquote drawing frames. We can do it a little bit more closely in real time. And it begs the question, does it is making a real-time puppet expressiveness even necessary in such an age and i would argue yes it is because you you, there's a lot you get there that can't really be quantified it's a very special presentation that is that connects with kids in a way that i i think is pretty unique it's also like to say a bunch of things without actually giving you facts well it also just lets like in the case of fraggle rock it let it do something that was very different from everything else that was on at the time. You know, mid-80s was kind of cash grab fever. Sure. Uh, it's true. 
Anyway. So that is, that is Fraggle Rock. Sure is. Go watch it. Watch it with your kids. Watch it when you're sad. Yeah, please watch it with your kids. <laughs> like, kids want, like, you'll want kids to watch this, I think. This and Moomins, like, we're going to have real cartoony kind of slugfest for best cartoon for kids. Mm. That should be fun, though. Or Clone High. <laughs> Those are the three. <laughs> uh, next up. Zane, we are going to be watching uh, Star Wars, or Clone Wars, excuse me. You got me confused with Clone High. We are going to be watching Clone Wars, the newer uh, version of it, not the Getty Tartakovsky version, but the 2008 version. Is it a retelling of the same story? Don't know. Do you know, or is it like this was a different Clone War that they went through? Don't know. Perhaps they cloned the Clone War. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's on that kind of one. funny. Like, if you're going to have a blank war too, Clone War does seem like the correct one. That <laughs> does feel appropriate. Um, my friend Ulysses has told us to watch that, and we agreed to do so on the caveat that he will be joining us. Fantastic. So that'll be real fun. I got my audio splitter and an extra pop filter so that we can actually manage that. Um, and we're, we're going to hopefully be doing that next time. We might have to put it off depending on scheduling, but. Glorious, glorious That stuff. is what is going to happen. Cool. And Zane, what's after that? Or before that? Well, Ben, you said you wanted something bad. I, You know, between Moomin and Fraggle Rock, I really need something to kick my nuts off. And we are coming up on episode 128. Now, listeners, every 32 episodes Oh, so, shit. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> we do a little something where we check out a... Uh, uh, an animated cartoon based on uh, video games. Now, we've talked about Mega Man is it, and Kirby and Sonic. Is it your Sonic. turn for this? Did I choose Sonic? I guess a guest chose Sonic. I guess it's your turn. Fine. Uh, I think, the, well, I'll, I'll give you part of the choice because it turns out right. there are three different Super Mario Brothers I was, I cartoons feeling... from the late 80s. So we will have to decide, do we want to watch... Super Mario Super Show, Super Mario 3 animated series, oh or Super God. Mario World animated series. They are, I'm going to tell you right now, I just kind of glanced at all of them. They all look kind of the same, and they're all really bad. I, I feel like maybe we should run the gamut. <laughs> just like do a, do a smorgasbord of Super Mario Super Crap. Yeah. <laughs> Super <laughs> Mario Super Crap, yeah. That's not bad. <laughs> Yeah, like well, maybe we won't. We'll, we'll we'll tell you on the next episode. We'll, but we'll watch an we'll watch like an episode of each and see which one is least awful to yeah. get through. Because <laughs> like yeah, which we're one just gonna mostly be talking about Mario hardest. anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That should be fun. Okay, well, uh, that's all we have for today. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to write into the Carton cast about bad Super Mario shows or Clone Wars, um, then please go to our Facebook page and drop a comment. You can go to our website, cartoncast.com or fancybat.com, our group website, and leave a comment there and check out the other shows on the network. Um, if you would be so kind, please go to iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. Honestly, like, I, I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, not to call anyone out, but I've seen people register with our website and everything like that, so I know you're out there. Just tell us what you think. I want to know. I want to know yeah. uh, if we're hitting it um, or else. So please go ahead and go there and drop a rating or review. And uh, more than anything else, guys, just tell your friends about the show. Mm-hmm. Make sure that they can enjoy Fraggle. I know we weren't very funny this episode, but I think we actually did a lot of incisive kind of commentary, so I'm content. 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to put so much fart on it. <laughs> I feel like the fart noise is. It's I'm closest to a gorg, and that's how they would do it. That's that is how they would do it. Oh man, Guitar Hero, but it's Ukulele Hero, and it's only Fraggle songs. It was didn't they have like a Diddy Kong? Uh, oh, donkey, the Donkey Kong the, the, Conga the, beat. Yeah, that was like Donkey Conga. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. All right, but but not that. Okay, not like, that. Like, good that. Yeah, but make it good, though. Where half the songs aren't happy birthday. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, good night. <laughs> Donkey Kong would actually fit in this show pretty well, I think. He's just a different Gorg. Yeah. He's just, like, their butler. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey Kong Gorg butler? I, I, I feel it. like Don- didn't Donkey Kong, was it, like, I know this is digression to a place where we don't need, but, like, wasn't Donkey Kong a puppet in, uh... In there will be brawl. Yeah, he was. You no, know, he was just a guy in a monkey suit. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and not like a monkey suit, like a tuxedo. But also, I think he wore a tuxedo at one point. <laughs> <laughs> if he Donkey was their Kong butler, get, certainly. Donkey Kong as a as like a waiter in a uh, in a House of Mouse sort of society, uh-huh. society where like Nintendo crosses the streams. I think is pretty good. Oh, where it's Super Smash Bros, but it's like fancy gala instead of fighting. Yes, yes. (laughs) Peach and Daisy can finally show off. That's not bad. That's not good either. Well, he threw us in a cage and there's no key. We gotta find a way that we can get free. There's just one thing that might be found. Gotta rock this joint till the bars fall down. Cause everybody here's gotta shout till we all break out. We gotta rock our way to freedom. Took a stick and she banged bars. Then started rocking till she seen stars. Super blue a harp like a wild thing. Got myself a guitar and began to sing. Cause everybody here got a shout till we all break out. We're gonna rock our way to freedom. We're gonna roll right back and see them. We're gonna flip flop, skip it, hop back to Fraggle Rock.